Welcome to the X-Men Files, a podcast where Inessa and Brian talk about the X-Men comics. He's reading them again as an adult, she's reading them for the first time. So grab your back issues out of their Mylar bags, and let's talk about the greatest comic book series ever, the X-Men. Welcome back to the X-Men Files, I'm Brian, and... I am Inessa. We almost had an auditory disaster that we have just... <laughs> so I was I was doing the room tone, I was like, like son of a bitch, room tone is just... Tones all, uh, all fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It's like the game was 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 ridiculous. Uh, we we did a you know we 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 do a sound check. Like the sound check sometimes takes even longer than the episode itself. That's not true. And today was no exception. <laughs> That's not true. So today was no exception to the way that we usually uh, sound check. Today was no exception to the half-assed way in which we usually do. I think that just about, it a it's actually a little way is a little insulting to the fully asked way that we usually do the sound check we, we gave it our complete ass yeah all right um hopefully the sound is is okay hopefully you can hear me and we can also hear me do you like that i, I we should do more of that no we do like the little <laughs> pantomime things no that um will make it seem as though there's just this natural almost telepathic rapport that the two of us have we should do less of that um, do you don't think you think that we don't have a, a telepathic rapport? Was, it's like it's Jean funny. Grey and Scott Summers. It's funny that you say that because yeah. I was trying to telepathically communicate with you this morning. When was about like like um? Hey, I hope that you're enjoying just how goddamn cold it is in this room. I mean, no. <laughs> what what were you trying to telepathically communicate? Because <laughs> because that was the unspoken communication that I received this morning. <laughs> I don't know. Cold like, enough we were, for you? We were we were laying in two different beds. Yeah, we were with, in a hotel room. We were in a hotel room, and so it was like me and the the boy child in the boy one child. Yeah, one bed, and then the are, girl are you, like, child. Writing a blues song. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> got, also, a boy, got a boy child coming. Also, going to be a son of a gun. Writing a blue song. So, yeah. Anyway, so we were the furthest away from each, each other, other yeah. in the the configuration of that room, and I was laying there, and I'd woken up, and I was kind of bored, but I didn't want to get up yeah. and get my phone and set a bad example, um, and so I decided to try to communicate with you telepathically. Did it? Did it? Okay, so it didn't work. It didn't. It didn't. But work. but I should just so that. If, so that I'll know to satisfy my curiosity, what was the telepathic message that you? I mean, were I wasn't necessarily sending a message. I was just trying to see if I could well, telepathically. You, might have been doing it wrong. you know, I was like, it was like a telepathic hi. Well, that's the message. Yeah, the it message was like is telepathically, hi. like hi, I'm here telepathically, knock knock knock, on your brain. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. And then you know to see if I could hear you. But no, I don't think telepathy is real. Actually, I think that <laughs> one of us is being naive, <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, we're not here to talk about telepathy. We are here to talk about the X-Men. And you you started, you were really, um, I, I told you don't write well, so a summary this because, is... because we, we you know, timing and, and whatnot meant that you didn't have the time like to, I mean, ordinarily it's hours and hours of research and editing and rewrites. Uh, but I said, you know, we don't really have time for that. But you did, you did start to write a summary. <laughs> I, well, so... This is the least prepared I've ever been to That's talk about. That's just not true. <laughs> That's what do you mean? There, we've had some where like neither of us had an episode, an issue summary. Yeah, but like I summary. barely even re- like I read it last night while we were watching hotel TV. And well, you read it last night? Yes. Oh, holy smokes! Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't even know that you had your iPad with you. Yeah, last no, night. I brought my iPad so that I can read it because I hadn't had a chance to read it at home, despite having had an abundance of time to do that. Um, okay, so you read it last night. I read it like two weeks ago. Okay, so yeah, so I read it last night and. Yeah. 
uh, immediately forgot everything that was in it. And so I tried to like very quickly glance okay. through it again just now. You, you, you may be onto something about this is the least prepared. This is definitely the least prepared that I've ever been. And I think that that's going to be reflected in the quality of this episode. It where... probably already is being reflected. Exactly. I mean, I yeah. think that you know people do the success or failure of any particular episode of this podcast hangs on the <sighs> level of preparation that we bring to bear. There's, I think our audience would agree with us. There was a lot of dialogue. in Like, there were a lot of words in the yeah. word bubbles this time, Boy, somehow. A yeah, bunch of words. Anyway. This is like, 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 like um, Amadeus, one of my favorite movies, or the, the Emperor says to Mozart, uh, eh, too many notes. <laughs> what, what do you mean, sir? Eh, there are only so many notes that one can hear over the course of an evening. Yeah. I also, okay, so I'm just going to launch into it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Launch. Well, oh, oh, if you're launching, I should give you a countdown. No, Four, please don't give me. Okay. Three, two, one, lift off. Okay, Uncanny X Men issue one eighty nine, which is, I believe, the issue that we are currently reading, is called Two Girls Out to Have Fun, and it was released in January of nineteen eighty five. Rachel Summers and Amara are out and about in New York City. Who the fuck is Amara? <laughs> yeah, am I supposed to know who this is? This was like part of my big hurdle yesterday is like i kept trying to figure out if i was reading the wrong issue yep it only gets more confusing from there yep. have i missed something uh they're out and about in new york city there's a very sad twin towers uh burning uh, reference which makes me sad um you know the sort of uh, nature and size of those buildings means that they're rife for those sorts of emotional references but it still always feels a little kind of prescient um, Rachel flashes back on her time as a mutant hunter. Now we're in a dock. Aurora is leaving on a cruise ship named Norway to go to Africa, specific country unnamed. Uh, Xavier asks her if she's sure she's made the right choice by... Skipping right past Kurt's outfit. Leaving the X-Men. <laughs> yeah, there was some... There were a lot of sartorial mistakes in this in this issue. I think you're quite wrong about uh, <laughs> Kurt's outfit. Anyway, sorry. No, well, I mean, we can come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we uh, will. Anyway, so he asked her if she's made the right choice, and uh, I love her, or if she's sure she's made the right choice, and uh, I love her line, which is, of course not. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you're never sure of anything. Yep. Rachel and Amara head through the South Street Seaport, where, coincidentally, the weird amulet from the prior issue is in some dock worker named Jamie's Locker, attracting baddies. Jaime. Jaime. Attracting baddies. That's racist. He knows what's, it's what's bad. Racist? I don't know. He knows it's bad news. What, Jaime rather than Jamie? Yes. Where's the I in that? J-A-I-M-E rather than J-A-M-I-E. Whatever. I was reading really fast <laughs> is what I'm saying. Jaime. Okay. Okay. Stop interrupting me. Okay. Uh, he knows it's bad news because a talking amulet, and so he wants to get rid of it. They're, They're yes. at the Gaia. Uh, exhibit at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which I thought was fairly fairly progressive for eighty five, even for eighty five. I just want everybody to remember three seconds ago when I told Brian to stop interrupting me. Okay, Metropolitan Museum <laughs> of Art, where we learn that Amara is from the past, and you can read more about it in New Mutants nine through eleven. Rachel senses thought patterns that she recognizes and gives chase. Amara also knows Celine. Again, did I miss an issue? They end up at a building filled with psionic baffles, which would be a good name for a punk band. 
They dress up as maids or slaves or slave maids. <laughs> Turns out they're in the Hellfire Club and some German is about to introduce Celine, a.k.a. the Black Queen, to Uberbaddy Sebastian Shaw. She proves her powers by encasing him in stone. He escapes but feels like maybe she could overpower him. Uh, Celine offers him a gift and momentarily trances him so that it looks like she's disappeared. Cool trick. Uh, Rachel Summers, dressed as a slave maid, serves them coffee or something, and then she's laughing outside the room because their thoughts were silly. Admittedly, I was in a hurry, but this bit was confusing. She ambushes Celine, but it's really Amara. Then they're both captured and presented to Sebastian Shaw's gifts. Rachel knows via some cool art on page 16 that she's being mind-controlled. She shifts into Amara's mind to battle Celine. Some things happen. The X-Men show up. Shaw lets them go. And then at the very end, Howard Stern steals the amulet from Jaime and dies or explodes. And I'm sure there was other stuff, but this is the least prepared I've ever been to summarize. You you actually summarized all of that. An issue. I, I, I do think that... Um... Well, I was about to say, I, I think that that my my interruptions would 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 benefit the recap, but uh, or maybe slash. We'll agree to disagree. Uh, refusing to pick up the um, uh, inappropriate, homophobic, and Beavis and Butthead level of uh, humor around the Goya exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I at least look. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it's been a long we... morning. We're, we're doing the best we can here, people. My eyes are so fucked up right now. Yeah, your eyes look fucked up. Yeah. Do, they, do they look they fucked do up? Look they fucked feel up. super fucked up. Yeah. Um, I suffer from allergies, people. And I'm not taking any allergy medication at the moment. Uh, I've, got, I've taken some eye drops and I've got some cream in my skin. I'm going to take some Zyrtec. But um, yeah, my eyes are super fucked up. So in, any inappropriate things that I would have said about um, uh, you know Hispanics or uh, you know or the gays uh, should be should be taken in, in light of the fact that I'm just I'm just not myself right now. Yeah. Yeah. Brian's right. eyes are, are we... fucked up, and I have a migraine. So the two of us together are we're short, oh God, we're irritable. Yeah, we're this it's all it's all gone pear shaped. Yep. <laughs> here in the Cludio. It's it's dreadful. It's dreadful. This is, I, I mean, would, would you agree that this is possibly the worst day of our lives? I mean, I don't think so. No? No. Okay. No. Well, well, then what are we bitching about? Yeah, I mean, it might be the worst day of this three-day weekend. That's not really saying much. Yeah. I, I, I mean, does it, not because, like, we had, I actually had a pretty good we had weekend. great weekend, uh, yeah. But there's only three days. That's what so. I mean. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sorry about your eyes, because they do look horrible. Oh, they feel pretty terrible. Yeah. Now, returning to was, the issue. Do you think it was the pool? Sorry. Do you think it was the pool? Who knows? Returning hmm. to the issue. Returning to the issue. This issue was baffling to me. Okay. And I I, I got a leg up because uh, I'm, I'm aware of who Amara is. We've already seen Celine. Yeah, no, I remember Celine. Okay, cool. And I remember that her and she, like, fought with, with Rachel. So I remember how Rachel wasn't yeah. that like the nightclub, the nightclub owner, right, that poor right, bastard. Right. Yeah, um, but I don't know who Amara is, and like they don't, they just sort of jump right into it in a way that that felt uh, confusing. I found it jarring as well, yeah. uh, even though I already knew who Amara was. Um, for the benefit of myself and, and me, <laughs> for the benefit of for the benefit of someone, of us, yeah. Or possibly no one. One of those two uh, outcomes. Uh, Amara is member of the New Mutants. 
So, so the people are aware. We've got a couple of uh, hand weights <laughs> in here, and Anessa started to use the hand weights. Um, y- you may as well get something useful out of this time. So, don't let no, it stop you. This is very useful. Do time. you know? Do some curls. Work on your core uh, or something like that. You could you catch up on your correspondence. I mean, <laughs> you've got that some would time that here. would be rude. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, rather than wasting time. Uh, do this, something useful. This isn't a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. balance our balance our checkbook or something. Um, we don't do that anymore. This isn't a waste of time. Carry on, Amara. We, we balance our checkbook from time to time. We balance do you, our. Do you not balance our checkbook? I mean, I balance our wine app. I guess that's, that's the basically same thing. the same thing. Yeah, I mean, if, we don't sit down with like the paper check register and yeah. And I wrote this yeah, if you don't, do that, if you but... don't use wine app, you should use it. You should go buy it right now and start using it. You should today's, turn off this podcast. And today's go. episode is uh, brought to you by wine app. Yep, wine app. Why now? Why not later? Why now? If you can put it off for two days, then you can put it off for longer than don't, that. Don't listen. This is why now <laughs> is uh, something that will enable you to forestall your financial future because the future is unknown. So why plan for it? No, that's literally the opposite. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. I'm like I'm like uh, the Noid in the Domino's ads. Uh, so I, that's what they should do. They should do like this ironic thing where I'm a guy that, um, uh, like wears glasses and a gold chain, like a leisure suit. Hey, forget about the future. Let's, uh, let's is... party. And, and that, that, then why not like, like that's, and then, and then somebody will step in and he'll be like some, some dude with like a skinny tie and a little bit of like Don Johnson stubble. And like, like, he'll like, like Put it off for the future. That's uncool. That's almost as uncool as smoking. And then, like all the all the chicks will like like walk over there and um, like like you you've saved for your for your retirement. That's so hot. Or something like that. That's what this we'll is, do. That's, this is the, the sort of ads. this is the sort of free advertisement for YNAB that they're going to ask us to pay them for. What do we? What do we? What do we pay per year for YNAB? Like seventy bucks or something? Something like that. Worth every goddamn penny. Yeah. Uh, that program is amazing. Um, our financial picture looks awesome because I don't do any of that shit that I just said. Uh, because in this in this uh, in this uh, scenario, I am the good looking uh, Don Johnson type. Oh, Brian is the good looking Don Johnson type. Don yeah. Johnson was my first my first celebrity crush, by the way. Uh, I know that. Yeah, I know that. My first was probably um, oh gosh, not um, Aaron Gray on uh, Buck Rogers. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> Legitimate first and still going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Aww. Aaron Gray, if you're out there. <laughs> Send, send, uh, drop me a line, Cerebro at xmenfiles.com. Uh, uh, I can't, I can't close yeah. the loop anyway. on that. All right, yeah, I'll just make some nasty lecherous yeah, let's comment not do that. Uh, yeah. to Aaron Gray. Uh, Love you on Silver Spoons as well, yep. Aaron Gray. But uh, yeah, Buck Rogers. Oh baby. Anyway, <laughs> Buck Rogers was a television show uh, dating from the Pleistocene era. <laughs> Ask your grandparents about it. Uh, back to the issue. Yep. Um, Amara. She's from the past. She's from Rome. She's not from the past. She's from Nova Roma. She's from an alternate reality. No, Other dimension? She, no. The time portal? No. The space hole? <laughs> the space hole? <laughs> she's from the space hole. No. No. The time knife? No. 
Wait, time knife? That's actually a thing. <laughs> I mean, not in... Yes, it's a thing from The Good Place. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> I've heard that yeah. somewhere. Uh, okay. Uh, no, she's not from the time knife or the space hole. <laughs> Any other guesses? No, carry on. <laughs> okay, she's not from the past. She's from the contemporaneous uh, present. The contemporaneous present? 1985. Of where? Of 1985. But, like, from where... Actually, I suppose she's not a contemporary of Rachel because Rachel's from the future. So relative to Wait, Rachel, is there an yes, actual place with past. that name? The, yeah. But I thought she was... I keep trying to explain this to you. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll <laughs> stop talking. Go ahead. Yeah, because I'm the person who interrupts. Yes, you Destructively. are. Destructively. <laughs> we both are. That's what the show is all about. Constructive interruption. I don't... That's not what it's about. Yes, ending. What's that? Yes, ending. Each other. Uh, I don't know that we, I, I don't know that interrupting is yes and. Hmm. Anyway, okay. Tell me about Amara. In the New Mutants, um, we have a, a story where the New Mutants go to Brazil, which is where one of the New Mutants is from. Sunspot Roberto da Costa, I think is his name. Uh, so they're in Rio, in Brazil. Um, High jinks ensue. Mm. Uh, they go up the Amazon River. And um, in sort of like classic lost civilization fashion, they either like cut through some rainforest or they go inside of a volcano or some, <laughs> or some shit. Um, and find a lost city. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, we know how that works. Right. right. They, 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 by means of some lost city trope, they find a lost city. <laughs> and this lost city is populated by uh, people who had lived in in Rome. Uh, classic... A classic Rome, kind of Julius Caesar era Rome. Okay. Which explains why they're all blonde, or she's blonde. Are they all blonde? Isn't she blonde? Anyway. So that's stereotyping. I know. That I'm saying one, that. I don't think one Romans. Person, one person from Rome and just assume that they all neither, look like that. Neither Romans nor people from the Amazon were probably blonde. I'm just saying. Why, 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 why is that such a speed bump for you, the fact that she's blonde? I don't know. just is. Anyway, okay. Carry on. Uh, anyway, so they continue to adopt Roman forms of dress and uh, civilization. And there's this city uh, in, let's say, the Andes or wherever in the Amazon. That is where Amara is from. Okay. It's also where Celine appears for the first time. And then okay. Celine busts through the pages of the New Mutants to appear in the X-Men. And okay. we saw her there with Rachel. And that's why Amara knows who she is. I exactly. And that all happens before we first meet Celine way back in the thing where Wolverine was going to kick... That's all what happens. All the Roman, new Roman yes, stuff. Yes, that happens in the, in the pages of the New Mutants. But like in previous to when we first meet Celine in yes. the X-Men. Okay. In the X-Men, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so Amara... So when they're in this um, uh, Roman city and the New Mutants, they learn that Amar is a mutant, mm -hmm. and she joins the team. Okay. So uh, I feel... Her, her code name is Magma, because mm. she can manipulate lava, lava or some shit. So I feel a little resentful that it's like, I don't mind resentful. when there's like a little cross-pollination yeah. between hey kids, the issues. Go yeah, Rom the space But line. like, this feels like y there's like a lot of shit you don't know if you don't go out and buy the space... The, the space mutant, the new mutants, and agreed. That makes me feel annoyed. Um, agreed. It is a little bit. This is not the first time that Claremont has done this. Uh, which is not to excuse it. You'll recall there was the episode where Caliban first shows up, and we've got 
uh, like Spider Woman is suddenly there. Now, Spider Woman, we can probably yeah. put two and two together and say, well, she's like Spider Man, only she's a woman. <laughs> Spider Man's wife or sister. Right, yeah. right. But, but this is, uh, this is not even the sitcom where somebody shows up. Like, like you've got, uh, McLean Stevenson shows up on an episode <laughs> of the Golden Girls and is like, like, uh, like, oh yeah, I know, like, like I've never mentioned this motherfucker for like three and a half seasons. <laughs> but we've got, and bear with me about like, because I'm enjoying the stunt casting of McLean Stevenson on the Golden Girls, <laughs> and like, 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 oh hey, it's uh, that's uh, Frederick, uh, who was my first crush back in Saint Olaf, yeah, and um, like, like he's come back to rekindle our old. It's not even that, yeah, yeah. It it, it is like. Somebody comes to fix the refrigerator or, or like the, the HVAC in the Golden Girls. And it's like, uh, it, it, they don't even acknowledge that he's there. It's like, like, uh, uh, uh Steve's fixing the, uh, the HVAC. And then, uh, he's sitting down, like having yeah. cheese. You remember Steve? He's my, yeah. By the way, all of this relies nephew, yeah. on having seen multiple episodes of the Golden <laughs> Girls, which I have done. Um, it's like, like, oh, what? Why is Steve eating cheesecake with all of them and, uh, you know, quipping about uh, Sicily with uh, uh, Estelle, Estelle yeah. Getty? She's yeah. the one who was, uh, yeah. I can't remember her character's name. The Golden Girls is a great show is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. I agree with you. It's yeah. it's jarring and uh, unfair to the reader. Yeah, exactly. That feels a little unfair. Yeah. Um, and then all the stuff that happens at the end, I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't, I didn't totally understand why Rachel was out there laughing. I don't understand why Celine didn't recognize her in her French maid costume, or maybe she did, and it was all yeah. a trap. That all, maybe I just need to read it, like, m more slowly, but I have read it sort of kind of twice, and I don't feel like it should be that complicated. I don't think that you need to... <laughs> read it any more than you already have um you know, what do we get out of this um honestly i think this is a pretty disposable issue mm -hmm. uh within the the narrative thread of the x-men right um i mean maybe it's setting something cool up with the amulet no something cool gonna happen with the amulet well hell yeah something cool is gonna happen but we don't need this issue to no no i know but i'm saying like yes yeah Really, all that this is doing, uh, in terms of plot mechanics, is establishing Celine as uh, maybe it's like a like a minor promotion for Celine in terms of a, a villain. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a rival to Sebastian uh, within the Hellfire Club. So you've got that dynamic. Um, Interesting in that I don't know that we've we've seen a lot of the kind of political complications uh, in the Hellfire Club, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of intermittently interesting, largely from a plot perspective, not necessarily from a character perspective. That gets a lot of work out in the current iteration of the X-Men. Okay. Because um, I don't think there's been agreed that there, and at least since in the yeah. in the more than a year that we've been doing this, I don't feel like there's been no loads of that. No, yeah. there really haven't been. Um, not in the pages of this book. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit more going on with the Hellfire Club and the New Mutants, but we both just established that that shouldn't be what we're banking on, <laughs> right? For this issue to land, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think that, that that is an interesting idea. I can't recall whether it plays out too much um, in the pages of the X Men. I want to say no. Um, 
but plot-wise, there are some interesting things that you can do with that. It's not even like a face turn, but like, you know, enemy of my enemy kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those, like, Hellfire Club, you know, vil- whatever, villainy, uh, you know, power dynamics. Uh, those can be kind of fun. Uh, you get a little taste of that here, but otherwise, I'm just going to repeat it. This is a, yeah. a pretty dispensable issue. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't really have anything else to say about it other than, although one thing that made me laugh was like at the end when they had, they had defeated them or that yeah. like Sebastian Shaw said, like, we don't have a beef with you and you can right, fuck right. off if you want to. Yeah. They're like standing there and, and, uh, like, well, we can't go out dressed like this and these, like, French-made uniforms. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Xavier, as you had said something about Nightcrawler's costume, meanwhile, Xavier's standing there in, like, yellow knee-high boots. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, yeah. this unitard, like a, like some sort of a uh, sex club uh, Mario costume <laughs> or something. Sex club Mario costume? Wow. Yeah. Oh, heavens, yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's like, we can't go out. I mean... Well, we couldn't possibly go out looking like this, but your costume is 100%. Yeah, and, and that's maybe an interesting thing. I, I think starting from the cover, this issue is almost an excuse for artist and possibly writer to say, let's, uh, let's draw women in some kind of... Sexed up, outfits. like bondage gear, <laughs> like for. Yeah. I mean, it's all bondage gear, but like really legitimate. Like Rachel's got that the, thing over the her mouth. Half of the yeah. mask. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, and that's the. Um, so, by the way, you know the Claremont. I, I need, I, I need to research this, but I think Claremont was no stranger to. Like the BDSM. A little, a little of the slap and tickle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and I, I got to look up a reference uh, for this, but he was like he, he was no stranger to that. And uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. That that that's a lot of. Yeah. I I think maybe that's that's where I'm concluding. I think that's what drives a lot of this issue. Yeah. Uh, oh, we need to we need to find some clever disguises to uh, infiltrate the Hellfire Club. How about these French made costumes? Yeah, how about these? yeah, that works with the fishnet. Sure, don't mind if I do. <laughs> uh, while I'm retreating into my own um, inner psyche, where I can picture myself any way that I like, maybe maybe uh, plate mail armor over just my breasts. So. Yeah. Yeah, they had Rachel in that like weird face makeup at the beginning. I don't know what that face was all makeup. about. Yeah, like in her flashback to where oh, she's like. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, flashing back slash forward. Yeah. And, uh, that's her alternate future. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there were. I mean, she you know, talk about a talk about a gimp situation. Um, <laughs> and we, I guess, were. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, we were. Um, so, so you know what's going on there. Uh, eh, not really. Flashing back to her future alternate reality, she's she's been. I can't remember how they they maintain control over her, but she's being used right, to, to psionically to hunt search down. for other mutants. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So psionic baffles. Psionic baffles. But there was that cool. Here, let's look more carefully at this cool art on page sixteen. Sixteen. 
It's just hard. Yeah, the, art, like, the art's great. So much, so many, so much words. So many words. So much words. Her Maori mask. The sudden. Wait, the Maori mask or Maori mask? When she wakes, Rachel wears her Maori mask, the studded uniform of a hound. Howls in despair. I didn't notice that Maori. Is, is it Maori or Maori? I thought it was Maori. I think it's Maori, probably. Okay. Whatever. Uh, uh, oh, we we could ask our friends in New Zealand. We could. Yeah, I'm sure they're them. listening. Um, yeah, unlikely. Too scared to think. <laughs> I kind of don't want them to listen to this, really. I... <laughs> she's, she'll never be a slave because she's been enslaved. I'm still my own person. Uh, complete, it seems, with a fancy outfit. Uh, part of me is still myself. What now? I'm inside my own mind. Da 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 da. This is when she decides to. She's never broke the silence she established back at the museum, and she can shift her consciousness into Amara without tripping Celine's alarms. And that's when they have another weird dress-up mental fight at the uh, yeah, you know, in 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 Rome of the current or the past. And, you know, I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say because every single thing here is far-fetched, but, like, that that feels a little far-fetched. That's my, that, uh, uh, that's the least of my issues with uh, with this. Okay. Um, any any uh, closing uh, points before we go on to, you know, other pop cultural things that we want to discuss? No. I, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got something on my mind. Mm, okay. All right. No, um, I don't have any other points. Uh, I maybe should have read this with a little bit more attention, and uh, but fine, you know whatever, fine. it's probably fine. And uh, the I, next two issues, um, Jason Powell is not a fan. Um, he and I are going to part company. The next two issues, uh, I can recall reading them, and it was really pretty awesome. Two shot. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're about at the point where I abandon the X Men. <laughs> You've been saying that for like. I know I have. Saying that for like eight months. Well, I because I, I a lot of this I can't quite remember, remember because like yeah. I went back and reread some stuff. But we are, I think actually here I'll, I'll fine. I'll give you something definitive. Mm-hmm. You don't need to issue one ninety three. I didn't read issue okay. one ninety three. Actually, I've never read in my life okay. one ninety three. So I think like we get the next three, and then I'll like pick it back up. Uh, eventually. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, I want to talk about the Crowdy Kid. Okay. More specifically, I want to talk about Pat Morita. Okay. Wow. Well, we'll talk yeah. about the Karate Kid. Uh, so, uh, we saw, your kids and I watched, uh, Karate Kid 2 on, like, Saturday night and, uh, Sunday afternoon. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um... We, we I think we I think we started watching it uh, at the house maybe last week or something like that. Yeah, we started watching Here's my it point. here. Here's a while my ago. Point. Yeah, uh, and I'm not going to be the first person to say this. Um, I want to say I want to make two things very clear. I think Pat Morita's performance in those movies is great. I think that he's a fine actor, and uh, I wish him well. <laughs> but listening to that dialogue is challenging for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's Mickey Rooney at Breakfast at Tiffany's, but it's in the same zip code as that. Okay. Um, and I, I, I kind of want to know more about where everyone's heads were. When they wrote the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And I get particularly troubled watching Karate Kid 2. Okay. Karate Kid, like, Marita's the only one 
uh, and and you can kind of the first one I, I can kind of shrug it off a little more easily. And, and and let's just be very clear. When you say he's the only one, you mean he's the only Japanese person? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just, just so that we're clear, Pat Morita was born in California. Right. right. His, his parents... <laughs> Korean. I'm from Encino. Right. Now, yeah. his, his parents were... I mean, like, he's first generation. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, you know, his parents are Japanese. Pat Morita was in an internment camp. Right. <laughs> during World War II. Um, but he, before he was in Karate Kid, he was in several television shows. Um, I think most routinely he, he was, he was in Happy Days. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember whether his character had an accent in that, in that show. Mm-hmm. I don't remember but, but either. He was, mm-hmm. he, he, um, Arnold, um, Arnold Takahashi, uh, he was a character there. He, he was like, like Arnold's was the other thing. Uh, Pam Reed is or dead, else. by the way. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I wish him well yeah. in the hereafter. Yeah. Uh, and, and I wish his family well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but, but he, he, he guessed it on MASH any number of times. And yeah, I feel like I remember that too. Well, he's, yeah. he's goddamn hilarious. Yeah. Um, he, he played the same character. But the character that he plays is uh, someone in the U.S. Army, right? Who speaks Sans accent, right? Right? Yeah, I, I was going <laughs> right. to say I seem to remember him and, not having any sort of right, yeah. right, and 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 and, and uh, just to be clear, this is not about me like shaming anybody who's speaking yeah. Uh, yeah. a language that isn't their native language. You should hear my German. It's it's not bad, but right. you know I don't sound like a native speaker. Um, but, so so he's just got so the first Karate Kid. I can kind of shrug it off. It's like okay, like he's the only Japanese person, and they they kind of maybe need to establish that he's just as much of an outsider right, as Danny right, is, right. and we can do that through 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 this verbal kind right. of affectation. And I like okay, you know, doesn't sit right. Like maybe, and I'll <laughs> whatever. It was the eighties, okay. yeah. Well, no, no, but but that's kind of why I want to know. Like like when we get to Karate Kid two, and like maybe they 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 can't go backwards. But here's why Karate Kid two just really fucks me off. They go to Okinawa, mm-hmm. which is where Marita's character is from, and they have a lot of dialogue where Okinawans are speaking to one another in broken English. <laughs> and that's when I just, I really start to lose my patience. You would have preferred that they just speak in Japanese with subtitles. Yes. Yeah. And a good reason why that probably didn't happen is, I didn't know that Pat Morita speaks all that much Japanese. Japanese, right. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, right. He doesn't. yeah. So it's like the it's filmmakers yeah. say like, well, you know, we've got this problem. How do we solve it? We solve it by not giving a fuck because we know that the audience won't give a fuck. Right, right, yeah. Because the Anglo asses and seats that are watching this movie right, aren't gonna will think presume that, that everyone this. in Okinawa <laughs> speaks broken yeah, speaks English. speaks pidgin English or whatever the Japanese equivalent of pidgin English is. Y- y- yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I just, it's really, and, and I'm not... I'm not trying to get on any like woke bandwagon or get yeah, credentials yeah. or anything like that. Just as, just as somebody who's sitting in an audience. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like they did that. I mean, I I feel like it wasn't that unusual to have Rush. I can't list yeah. a movie right now, but I feel like it wasn't that unusual to have Russian bad guys speaking to each other in Russian accented, incorrect English in 
movies, fair. right? Or whatever yeah. other, you know. Um, fair, but also wrong. And it, it, the first example that leaps to my mind is uh, Hunt for Red October, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm going to look this up, but it, it may have been a little bit later than Karate Kid 2. Mm-hmm. I think it was. Different target audience, maybe. So what... McTiernan does is he establishes the director of uh, Hunt for Red October, John McTiernan. He establishes that the characters speak Russian, right? All by having Sean Connery and Tim Curry and whomever and Sam Neill very badly speak Russian. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not whatever. Um, yes. <laughs> um, it, but but what the filmmakers say is like, okay, can we? Can we hire a bunch of Russians? Please, no. We need Sean Connery. You know, we, we need we need we need people with with several different English English language accents. So we're going to have somebody from Scotland, somebody from Australia, yeah, <laughs> right. You know, speak Russian, you know, non-Americans. And Tim Curry's going to do. I don't even know where, where the fuck is Tim Curry. I have from? No idea. Yeah, he's probably from like like Iowa or some shit. But um, <laughs> I, I think he's English. Uh, Anyway, so they have all these guys speaking in Russian as subtitled. And then there's a scene, very, very well done, Mm -hmm. where they switch over to English. And they, they, through cinematic means, convey to the audience, okay, you know that these people are speaking Russian. The subtitles are a little tedious, yeah. Well, and also, like, like, Connery's not going to put up with that. No, the Russian was horrible. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it looked like it was painful for him. Right, right, right. So it's like, like, enough is enough. but they they can at least do that, and when the Russians are speaking to one another, like on the on the boat on the submarine, it, it's in English and and, and whatever. Yeah, fair. Then when they encounter Americans, like they they speak Russian mm-hmm. uh, in subtitles, just like to make it clear that it's like and, and it's easy for the audience to keep track yeah, of that fair. shit. Uh, that bugged me. Um, I thought I had a another. I can't think of another example where, where I'm clear in present danger is another one mm-hmm. where they do that. Uh, another Clancy movie. Um, I don't. I don't think McTiernan directed that one. It's great where like like everybody speaks Spanish because right? that's like about like the um, uh, cocaine cartels right. in Colombia. So they have a scene where everybody's speaking Spanish, and then they kind of like slow the film down to make it sure like okay we're switching up here, and then they switch over to English. To English, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they did not, I guess, do that in the Karate Kid, and uh, you know they should yeah. have. But the Karate Kid two didn't really feel like it was someone, uh, you know, reaching for a for a deeper sort of more interesting story or sort of an expansion on those characters or anything. It just felt like it was like uh, uh, a. You know, we've made this one movie. It was really popular. If we make a second one, people will probably come see it. And then the third one was just horrifically horrible. (laughs) The parts (laughs) that I saw were really, really bad. Um, yeah, I only you know, saw about five minutes. That it looked, it looked like shit. Yeah, it didn't feel like there was really any any craft. Um, You know, I liked the Karate Kid when I was a kid. I guess it was never like my favorite uh, '80s movie. Um, I didn't love it that much when I saw it again as an adult. um, Period. I, I agree with you. Um, even as like, like I saw it because uh, I'm of that generation. It's one of those where I had a high probability of having seen it. And so, yeah. So I, and it was on cable. So I'm sure that I saw it more than once. Um, it, it, I I always found it a difficult thing to watch because it was very similar to a lot of '80s movies, which are they have this like A team kind of template. Mm-hmm. Right? The hero is the outsider, and uh, there's there's a whole current running through like 80s culture of uh, people with power and wealth are all assholes. 
ironic given what the 80s were kind yeah. of all about. Yeah. Uh, but you think like like the A-team, it, it's, it, we have earnest people and there's something weirdly kind of kind of right wing about it yeah in a way uh, uh like, like the a-team will roll into some city and like uh hey how come nobody's uh out on the streets uh, uh, uh hanging out it's like uh because uh because uh, uh the 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 mojo corporation uh, has uh has poisoned all of the water or, or something and, and i never you, yeah, yeah. And, and and so you watch bad guys like beat the shit out of earnest uh, people. Like watching Ralph Macchio get violently assaulted, and there's always something rapey happening too. Like, uh, like, oh, oh, hey, hey, we'll take your date home. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, share a good time. I, I mean, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that, but I don't know. So, like, I feel like even as a kid, yeah, something about like. Yes, there were there were assaults, and yes, it was it was rapey. But like somehow, yeah. even as a kid, it didn't feel as menacing as I think they wanted it to, because I think it didn't play plausibly to me. Like it didn't. The kids all looked like they were grown men, which is yeah. a thing that happened a lot in in eighties movies, but right. somehow more so in in the Karate Kid. And just the idea that all these. Um, you know, that there was a grown man teaching kids this much violence and that they were going to like so violently attack yeah. and barring the intervention of his, the, this, this, this janitor slash sensei, yeah. what murder this other kid? Like it just didn't feel plausible. Their intentions were confusing to me. Really? And, yeah. And it just didn't, I don't know. It was like, it felt super plausible to me. Like as a kid, yeah, as, as maybe because I was a girl and I didn't get beat up or whatever, yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't get beat up too. Yeah. I'm threatened with getting beaten yeah. up uh, more than one occasion. Yeah. But I don't but, know. Somehow uh, it just, it didn't like, it felt like, I feel like even watching it as a kid, it felt like if they had pulled back on some of it, it would have seemed a little bit more plausible like i somehow just didn't buy that any of that would actually happen maybe i'm just he, i mean retconning it in my that, own mind right and and i mean i i i invoked the a-team because uh, the a-team is not like hard-hitting verisimilitude yeah and i've um, never watched the a-team oh, oh so all yeah. that stuff that i said is probably I mean, I useless believe you, okay but, yeah. cool, cool cool um but uh, uh, Roadhouse is another mm-hmm. – Roadhouse is like the rated R version of the Karate Kid, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like there's – but it's a weird kind of uh, uh, cultural uh, statement. Mm-hmm. in the, Exclusively in the 80s, and I, I, I don't quite get whose side anybody is on. Right. Because – um, just so that we're clear, the 80s were all about, not all about, but largely about the um, kind of the establishment, you know, the moneyed, uh, wealthy establishment reasserting itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is part and parcel of, of what Reaganism is all about. It's all about like 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 chesting out and, and getting military uh, and, and, you know, uh, Top Gun, mm-hmm. I think, is, is, is rightly considered uh, you know, an, an 80s cultural totem right. with the, you know, the homoeroticism <laughs> the, you know, the weirdly heterosexual homoeroticism of top gun <laughs> i haven't seen top gun in ages either yeah yeah uh, I, I don't care for it yeah it, I, it, I, I i know loads of people who love that fucking movie and i am not among them yeah. I, I think it's okay but um so so karate kid you have to watch the heroes lose until the last five minutes and that thing of like 
hey, LaRusso, you're all right. Like, you're right. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you, were, you were an asshole yeah, to me. I mean, I'm asshole, happy you yeah. learned something yeah. about, I don't know, empathy or like, like I'm all right. Why? Because I, I, I kicked your ass? Yeah. That's not how we... Okay. Yeah, I do so, want to watch. I, I mean, without the kids, because I don't think that they were enjoying it. I don't necessarily think it was appropriate for them, but yeah. I would be curious to watch at least the first season of Cobra Kai and see how that sort of all. I how they enjoyed Cobra Kai. Now yeah. I want to watch more of it. Yeah. Um. And, and it's, I, I think it's um. We watched like what, like two episodes? I think we watched of that? two or three episodes, and so then the kids two. said they didn't want to watch it. Those two episodes. They kept calling people pussies, which is. Okay. Let's just go on record. Um, it's actually a very powerful muscle. Uh, ball sack. Like, like that's uh, what we should be calling people who. Uh, okay. Uh, a ball sack, which can't uh, tolerate. Even the cold. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like temperature, <laughs> cold or heat. Yeah. <laughs> temperature differences of like more than three degrees. Oh, I'm cold. I'm cold. I'm shriveled. It's like I'm so hot. Oh, I just need to hang down here. Okay. So, so, so the ball sack is is easily easily the weakest uh, bodily organ, uh, bodily thing. All right. So that's the Karate Kid. The other thing about the Karate Kid that really struck me as I was watching Karate Kid two on uh, uh, Saturday night. Yeah. What the filmmakers do. And this is astonishing to me. They, I think, do manage to credibly present. And again, I adore you, Pat Morita. To present Pat Morita as a martial arts badass. <laughs> Watch it. Because it, I don't know what Morita's level of like physicality yeah. was. But watching those movies... You're like, oh man, don't, don't, don't piss off Miyagi. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you look at the guy, he's not, he doesn't look like Jackie Chan. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't, he doesn't look like Bruce Lee. You know, he, he looks like your high school algebra teacher. <laughs> but That's the, racist. And, and if you watch, if it isn't actually, <laughs> but um, if you watch, uh, if you watch the way that it's filmed and cut, you can tell like Marita, like he's fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could probably even dead. He could probably beat me up. But when you watch that, the way that they they choreograph the fights, you're like, it's actually kind of effective filmmaking. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's just being able to say like, like okay. Uh, like when he's like attacking four people, and, yep. and when you're paying attention, like like you know, three of the four are gonna be hanging. They're just kind of hanging back, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> jumping around, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, let me in, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, and, uh, yeah. and 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 Ralph Macho too, frankly. Yeah. Um, like the Credit Kid three, they said, oh, this next person needs no direction. Like we're finally gonna see the Credit Kid do some actual fucking karate. Yeah, Ralph Macho never was a, never was a plausible sort of a sparer yeah. to me yeah. either. But uh, yeah, the Karate Kid. How is nobody else talking about the fact that the Karate Kid movies managed to present people who who don't look as though they could actually do karate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but effectively, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, like, effectively, yeah. like, like watch the uh, uh, the tournament scenes. I mean, the way that uh, I mean, and, and Macho like he, he does it a okay. Yeah, I mean, it's evident that he's done whatever level of uh, you know remedial martial arts <laughs> that the studio paid for. Uh, but but all, like like anyway, I'm, I'm I'm trying to pay the Karate Kid movies a compliment. Yep. I'm just taking a big old shit on them. <laughs> I feel like I've said all I have to say about the Karate Kid movies. I don't think I have anything else. Uh, I could keep going, <laughs> but maybe we shouldn't.
Okay. Um, uh, next week on uh, the X Men Files, we're gonna do a uh, an in depth view of uh, the film Roadhouse. <laughs> and uh, what's another one? Like Walking Tall. I've not seen Walking I've Tall. Seen like Walking, Walking Tall, Tall is another one. I, what I have seen, I've seen the movie Ruckus, and I've seen uh, First Blood. First mm-hmm. Blood is another one of those. We're like, uh, by the <clears> way, <throat> Ruckus came out first. Uh, Paul Benedict, Paul Starbuck Benedict was in that. Paul, no wait, Paul Benedict was. One of them was uh, with the English dude and the Jeffersons. Um, but anyway, so First Blood actually is is a, is a great one. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is the loner. He's the outsider. And he gets like this shit knocked out of him mm-hmm. until he basically murders and or cripples uh, three dozen people. Awesome. Okay, we'll watch that for our you next movie night. You need to go to the bathroom. <clears throat> no, I'm good. Okay, cool. But, but I do but, need to go to the bathroom, the, the, and also the, the, we should probably wrap up. But we are wrapping okay. up. But I, I, I want to. I want to. I, I can't leave this this loose thread. I understand. I don't think that you do. No, I do understand. Next week on the X Men Files, I'll explain why it is that uh, uh, that I was sad at the end of. The <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the X Men Files. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. If you listen, please rate us. If you want to drop us a note, you can reach us via email at cerebro at xmenfiles.com. You can also check out our website, xmenfiles.com. Our theme music is Invasion to Space Frog by Checky Brown. That music available under a Creative Commons license. Everything else was written, produced, and performed by Brian and Inessa. 